Kingdom One family, welcome back to another podcast here. I am your host, Nick, and today uh, we are talking about what is developing a healthy online church look like? Uh, and before we jump into that, I don't know if you've heard the news about Activision Blizzard and the, their woes as a company uh, dealing with bullying and harassment. It's one of the saddest things when your company starts to take a downfall and starts to tear itself apart from the inside out, when employees don't trust employers, when uh, transparency is not there, and when harassment and bullying take a toll on an organization. That's why we at Kingdom One have created Above Reproach. It is a free sexual harassment prevention training course that is going to make sure that you you, your congregation, and your staff are safe. If this sounds like something that you could use uh, for your ministry, you can go to kingdomone.co slash let's go in order to sign up for our free sexual harassment prevention training course. Let's jump into today's episode with Matt Curtis. Welcome to the Kingdom One podcast, where we grow the church together. This podcast is here to give you big ideas and help you get practical with the tactical. Here's your host, Hey, Matt, thanks for hanging out again on the Kingdom One podcast. Uh, we just kind of talked a bit about Activision Blizzard and like some of the woes that that company is facing. Uh, I would love to hear from you, uh, like, like what is the work that Kingdom One is doing in order to ensure that uh, we can have healthy churches that are free from, you know, bullying and sexual harassment? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really sad thing to watch happen. Um, I think this is, I mean, this is the kind of thing you never root for in any organization. Uh, and so then when it's, you know, hitting the news and it's kind of this major impact and you begin peeling back the layers and learning that it's much bigger than maybe even you originally thought it was, that's always what you want to avoid. Um, obviously, it's going to come down to the hearts of the people. That's always the challenge in any situation like this. Uh, but there's also a side where education matters. I think sometimes uh, we're actually not attuned to the things that we're doing in terms of the impact they have on other people. And that's where something like above approach is so important. And so that's that's our uh, biblically minded sexual harassment prevention training. And, and really the, the heartbeat behind it is that um, there are some states that mandate sexual harassment prevention training. <laughs> okay, great. That, that doesn't necessarily solve the problem and actually data has supported that. And so what we wanted to do is we want to really take a crack at it from the perspective of what happens when you integrate this into a real ministry-minded uh, context? Like that's the way we're presenting it. So the examples are from ministry. Um, it, this isn't some abstract, you know, CEO goes on his private jet across the country. Like it's not really as relatable for, for many of us in ministry. And so we're really trying to present it from that context with the expressed desire of helping those in ministry see what's happening and really be uh, be able to assess more effectively is this something that i'm contributing to is this something that is is rampant in my organization as well and so we want to prevent these problems through education and so that you know above approach is really our our attempt to do that yeah, that's, that's really true. And I think one of the things is, as we talk about a healthy online church, you have to have the structure of a healthy church and just the sexual harassment prevention training keeps churches healthy. Uh, and if you guys are interested in checking that out, go to kingdomone.co slash let's go. Um, that's going to get you all the things if you want to find out more about above reproach and keeping your staff above reproach. Um, as we talk about developing a healthy online church and a healthy online culture, uh, I have some questions for you. And I know you've worked in the space. Um, you are like a thought leader when it comes to online church. Um, and so uh, this is my big question. And, and I say this, and I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious or mean, but sometimes I see that online leaders sometimes get placed into their roles 
not wanting to be there um, and you know for in the first place and so that kind of leads to this question why is learning fundamental to online church even if you don't want to be in that role yeah it's it's a funny problem honestly um, it, there's sort of this like stereotypical, like person. I know for, for many years, there was the stereotypical worship leader. And um, I think it was North Point that put out that video where the guy, the part that I always remember, he opens, you know, he opens his arms for announcements. And there's like the tattoo on his inner, you know, his forearm. And the the little tagline that pops up is it's like, show them your tattoos, tattoo so that you know that you, they know that you have a story or something like that. And so there's all these stereotypes that, that have popped up in ministry. Uh, there's a funny meme going around with the four different um, people from that movie and they're all dressed differently. And like <laughs> some people will say the different denominations or one of them, my favorite one showed, you know, worship leader, senior pastor, tech guy, that kind of thing. And so the the problem really is that this happens in, in so many different areas in the church, uh, hyper specifically to online ministry, it happens. And, and the challenge is that you have a passionate guy or a ministry minded guy who's thrown into what is often considered to be a, a pretty like technical space. And so just at the very basics of like pragmatic thinking, like you got, you got to be educated. You got to learn how these tools work. You know, like how do you engage people meaningfully in a chat room? You know, for some, for me, I grew up uh, in junior, junior high. I don't know if I should say this, but in junior high, I'm on instant messenger, you know, AOL or I guess aim <laughs> uh, uh, AOL's instant messenger service. And you began to figure out like, how do you translate interpersonal relationships to a digital context? And so, that's a lot of what the space, you know, exists to, um, to, to foster is meaningful relationships and connection. And, and you want to do those things, but in a lot of cases you have to learn it. And so there's the technological kind of liabilities, but then the other side of it is like, what's actually resonating with, with your people. Like this is probably going to be a reoccurring thing that I keep coming back to uh, just in our conversation, because for me, I feel like it's the core challenge of online ministry. You, you can't, you can't pursue online ministry with your own agenda in the sense that you can't just invent something that's really like neat and exciting for people. You're ministering to your congregation. Like that's what you're doing. And so education is really important because you need to understand how these things are resonating with people. And, and frankly, you need to understand what their needs are. You should be building a, an online ministry solution that, that meets the needs of your people. So there's, there's this constant learning that's happening um, because the other sort of like the foundation, I guess, upon which these things are built is that things are changing all the time. Our culture's changing. Um, the, the things that are the highest points of drama, they're changing. You know, the, the context in which messages are received is changing. And so it's a real fluid space. And so just being, being constantly attentive to those things and really learning about what the, what the climate looks like out there uh, is really important, I think, because uh, it's going to help you be sensitive to uh, the most effective pathways for ministry. Absolutely. I think one of the the key key things that you you talked about there was um you know like what are those fundamentals of ministry and how do we translate those digitally? Um and so one of my questions for you uh, is like what sets apart a great online church experience from maybe a mediocre experience thinking about the caveat of learning. I think the way that you evaluate the success of what you're doing is is if you're reaching your people. And, and I think that's kind of the temptation of the online ministry space. I feel like we're really looking to put out the best experience, but we're missing a little bit of, of how you evaluate what a good experience is. And so uh, I'll look at it from the perspective of me, you know, maybe going to dinner. 
you go to a restaurant and the food's fine. Like it's not dramatically above average or below average. It's like kind of where you expected it to be, you know? Um, but, but the service was really, really good. And so the server was really attentive. Um, you dropped your fork and she brought a fork before you even asked for it. Um, they put too many straws on the table instead of one shy of what you needed, you know, those kinds of things, your drinks were refilled when they were half empty. Like, like that's the difference between leaving that restaurant really feeling like it was a good experience. The food itself didn't change. They didn't rebrand. They haven't, you know, renovated the inside of the restaurant, but it really resonated with the, with, with you as the customer because the experience was good. And so I think what I've really been recognizing more and more, especially I think as we're kind of transitioning to this, this awkward hybrid of there's a lot of people that are partially in person or like they're going one week in person and one online and in person, you know, that kind of a, of a routine happening. It's really a lot about is what we're doing, is what we're putting out there helping our people? Are the, are the ministers, the, the leaders of the church, the pastors, um, are, they, are they connecting with the needs of the people? Are they shepherding the flock? Is that happening based on the things are being put out there. I think there's been a draw towards like, well, let's try this new thing or let's try this exciting thing, or this is a really exciting opportunity or an idea, but we're missing a little bit of, is it actually landing with our people? And so um, I think this is particularly, um, this is a particular tension probably with larger churches where the staff tends to be the echo chamber where we're all evaluating as a staff. And so like one guy on staff says, I didn't like this. Another guy staff says, I really liked it. But but we're not doing church for the staff. We're doing church for the people, the, the body of believers that we've been called to shepherd and, and, and grow. And so all of that to say, I think really the, the evaluation of an effective church or a mediocre church in the online context really comes down to, is it moving people forward in their walk? Is it helping them grow? Is it a, is it a positive and a helpful contributor to their, to their spiritual life? That's so good. That is so good. Um, there are two points that you you touched on that I'd love to highlight. And one is this talk about awkward hybrid. We're, you know, kind of in this, we don't know where we are in the pandemic. Like it, it just in all honesty, like we could, you know, go back to lockdown soon, or it could just be like, hey, this Delta variant is like the flu. And then we're, we're you know, in the clear in the next three to four weeks. We have no idea. Um, and so I see a lot of churches and the conversations we're having with churches is that, you know, what do they do? Do we shut down online to get more people in the door? Do we keep online going? I even had one pastor tell me, uh, you know, we took your advice and we just hired somebody to do our TikTok because that's going to be like the best avenue for us right now is, is through TikTok. And I'm like, wait, and you're not going to have an online strategy, but you're going to go with TikTok. Like, this is really interesting. Dive deep. <laughs> and so all that all that to say is this, this awkward hybrid situation, um, how can a pastor think through these things in a coherent way that that makes room for for the right decision at the end of the day yeah i i i have always felt like patience is a problem uh in in the american church i think part of that is because we have access to so many resources we can afford to be impatient in a lot of cases um i always go back to I mean, I always, I always try to go back to scripture about everything um, and, and less about like, oh, this verse, this verse answers your question. I mean, I think there are singular verses that answer these questions. Um, there's a verse in Proverbs, um, steady plotting brings prosperity, hasty speculation brings poverty. And I think that kind of, that kind of a passage um, really embodies what, what we're talking about here in terms of 
like the duration of time has to happen in order for things to settle. The thing I always find myself going back to though is the redemption of humanity. I mean, I think the cross is a pretty powerful place for us to look at um, the example of of I would say the sovereign plan of redemption. And so what you find is you find the beginning of this plan all the way back in Genesis. You have the fall happening. And then what happens right after the fall? It's the beginning of the orchestration of the plan of redemption. Well, there are a lot of pages in between that passage and the the fulfillment of that. And so what I think we run into sometimes is this impatience in terms of wanting to get back to normal. Look, I get it. Like we want to get back to normalcy. I totally understand that. And I don't think there's any problem with that desire. I do think there's a problem with us trying to force it though. And again, you know, kind of going back to what actually are your people thinking and feeling? Like you may live in an area where everyone in your congregation does not feel any concern at all about the, the pandemic, about the, the, catching the coronavirus, whatever. Okay, great. Then you have an opportunity to lean into that in a way that a church somewhere else wouldn't. But you can't force that. You can't fabricate that within your context. And so this, this awkward hybrid really is, it just has to be an awareness <laughs> that, that you walk into. Um, my, uh, my oldest just turned 13. And so I have a teenager now you want to talk about awkward hybrid. Like that's literally the season of life that he's walking into. And that's the season of life that my wife and I are walking into when it comes to parenting. I don't know how to handle everything that's coming my way, but I also know that I can't make him 20 tomorrow. <laughs> like it just, I have to learn how to, how to kind of live in this space. And so what that means for me in a lot of ways is that means that I'm trying to be as kind as I can possibly be. I want to be compassionate. I want to understand the concerns that he's walking through and I want to help him and guide him toward what I believe to be a good future in terms of loving God, loving others, caring about his walk, those kinds of things. And so I think that's why the hybrid is so awkward is because we actually just sort of have a preference. We have an, we have a, a desire of our own where we want everybody to be. Uh, sorry, like they're not there yet. And so the, the harder you push against their resistance, the more awkward it's going to become. If we just say, I'm pumped that people are connecting to hear the message of the gospel in some way, shape or form. It's not happening in the way that we believe to be best or ideal, but it's still happening. Let's embrace the opportunity that we do have. And, you know, let's go from there. That's so good that patience is the the catalyst for great decisions. And secondly, like I think you're absolutely right that um, you know, like when you look at online church, it is exactly like a teenager. And it's even in, in its formative years of a teenager, if if you kind of like track it, you know, it's not quite you, you know, in pastors' minds and some leaders' minds, it's not quite ministry ministry. But at the same time, it's not quite like something to be ignored at the same time. And, and when you talk about scriptures, like theologically, I think of Jesus talking about the pearl of great price, that uh, the field that's purchased for that pearl of great price, that story, um, it was not about the field, but it was about what was inside of it. And so I think if we think about, you know, the, this awkward hybrid situation it, it's not so much about the field that we're that we're purchasing it's more about what is what is at the heart of that and i think redemption like is such a such a great great uh you know avenue to think that through 
Um, and, and that kind of leads to, to the next question I have for you is, is about values, is what do we value and what should we value as an online church? How do, how do our church's value play into online church? And specifically, I want to touch on um, the, the value of we value in-person, face-to-face ministry and relationship. Can you maybe walk us through that in your thoughts? Yeah. So when I when I first launched um, online ministry in the church where I was serving, there was a degree of I like technology, I like the space, and I'm interested in it. Um, but I am concerned that we have the potential of of pushing people into a position that's not really helpful for them. That's not really the best place for their walk. And so um, I, I was a little bit. Uh, uneasy about what this could end up becoming. And I think leadership was too. I think we kind of shared that concern. So one of the things for me that's a really, really important piece of all of this is you have to listen. You really have to listen. And I'm not saying turn your your leadership style into one that's like the, the recipients of ministry decide every decision that's happening. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you need to actually listen uh, to what people are going through in their life. Because I find that we often, specifically in the area of online ministry, probably more than any other area I've, I've seen, we really, really lean heavily on our assumptions when it comes to making decisions. And so we actually ended up putting out a survey after our first, uh, just about a year of having it kind of under our belt. And I cannot tell you how profound the results were in terms of my assumptions. And I'm, I'm not like the anti-online guy in the room. You know what I mean? But like, like my assumptions were, fell woefully short of what God was actually doing. And so what we were finding is that people were engaging in online ministry because they were caring for their parents who had cancer for nine months. And so every weekend, the daughter would go over to the parent's house or, or, and watch, or even in some cases, the hospital room. They'd put it on in the hospital room and they would watch church together as a family. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty legitimate, like that's a good reason for watching online ministry. They're not just ditching church. They're not like hanging out in their bathrobe because they're too lazy to get out of bed. Like those were the assumptions. You know what I mean? Is that we're going to train a group of people to, to not gather because they're lazy. And so I think, I think really the key in a lot of this stuff is that you have to listen, you have to ask questions and you have to hear because all of this back to your values now, like your values exist to guide the way that you minister. I mean, that's, that's what they, that's what they're there for. If you're, if your values aren't guiding you in that way, then I don't, you're not really using them right. <laughs> they're just like statements on a wall then, you know what I mean? They're not values. Well, I don't know many churches that don't value caring for people that are that are sick or you know widows and orphans. I've heard that somewhere. Like, it, what if this opens the door for us to be able to actually embrace our values more? And I think that's what I continue to find is that as I dig deeper into the motivation of those who are using online ministry and are participating in online ministry, I'm actually finding that it's for things like. I'm sick and I feel like I was forgotten by the church, but now I don't. Like that's a crazy turnaround. I didn't have that on my list as to why people were engaging, but that's what we were hearing. I heard that from multiple people unsolicited. This was in a this was in an empty box. This wasn't like check, do you feel like, you know, uh, online ministry is the best thing ever because of these reasons. It's like tell us something else about your experience. And that's what they 
voluntarily put forward. Another family shared something along the lines of, you know, we struggle with chronic health issues and we can't go all the time. But by being able to continue our discipline of regular church attendance, we're teaching our kids that it doesn't matter if you're healthy or if you're sick, there's no reason to not attend church. And I'm just like, holy smokes, like these people are actually arguing against the arguments against online ministry in the way that they're participating in it. And so I would really really challenge anyone who would say this is kind of not in alignment with our values. I actually think what it does is it it's almost like it pours, you know, miracle grow on your values and it gives you a whole new platform in order to be able to to care about what you care about. That's that's amazing. I've heard those stories over and over again of families who uh, one, one, one of the families we heard from was their daughter was autoimmune compromised, couldn't be around other kids. And this is like two years before COVID even hit. And when we launched our kids' online services, um, they were just ecstatic. They're like, our daughter feels a part of the church, you know, and they lived in Portland, Oregon, and our church is in Southern California. And it's just like, this is a win beyond measure. And, and one of the values that, that the church that I was at really valued was stories. And when you can surface these stories and when you can share and celebrate what the online space is doing, we had a truck driver who, uh, you know, he, he drove all over the U.S. and said, hey, Sunday mornings, I know I can tune in online and I can listen while I'm driving and it helps me with my faith. And I'm, we're just sitting here thinking like, you know, it, it's not that this dude doesn't want to be in, in church service. He absolutely wants to, but his financial situation, his job doesn't allow for these things. And so when I think of when I think of values, I, I think of like, are we caring for the least of these, like you mentioned, which is phenomenal. And then the second thing is, do we value people enough to share their story and share how online ministry is really moving the needle in people's lives? And so um, I think I think that's just one of the 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 best things that we can do is is really share. Um, and, and as we talk about sharing, what are some of the churches that you're kind of gleaning, um, you know, inspiration from? Like, who are you looking towards? And uh, is, is that a bad idea to look towards other churches for inspiration? What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, this is another one where I, I just, I don't have the conventional answer. <laughs> um, I think I think the challenge for me with looking to other ministries for for inspiration, well, I'll start with this. I think looking to churches for inspiration and general ideas is super helpful. And so um, I, I tend to look, I mean, I look everywhere. I'm looking at churches that I agree with theologically, and I'm looking at churches that I disagree with theologically. Um, I think I'm, I'm looking at churches that are large, and I'm looking at churches that are small. Now, the, the tension, and this is kind of the big you know caveat for me, the tension is that there are a lot of different reasons and approaches to online ministry. So like there's a lot of different reasons that churches have kind of initiated an online ministry. And I think that's the, that's the tension with looking to others for inspiration is that every decision that you're making should actually be born out of your values. So, you know, you talk about value. So if, if you, you know, I've, there are churches that have a value, like an, ex, an expressed value of theirs is enjoyable or is fun. You know, that's a popular one that I hear a lot is fun. You know, church is, church is supposed to be fun or it can be fun. Well, if you're a church that doesn't have that as one of your values, not to say that you're, you know, anti-fun, but, you know, let's say you're a more, um, maybe a more traditional church you're going to look at the rock concert on the weekend and essentially the party quote unquote party that, you know, I mean, I, this is how I hear it described by a lot of churches. Like we want to have a party for Jesus every weekend. I mean, that's cool, man. Look, those are your values and like you're doing your thing, but it's going to be really hard for you to glean a lot of effective practices for you because just the, the methodology of the way that you minister to people is so different. And so, I mean, a little bit of a, 
of an example. I had a conversation recently with a church and they were excited. They were sharing with me that they were excited about the fact that their Facebook numbers were dropping. They were going down. So like, I'll pause the story there. Like there are a lot of people that say, well, I don't learn anything from that church. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That's awful. Well, the reason they were excited is because their in-person numbers were going up. And so for them, that was the value. They were seeing their congregation begin to come back and that's what they wanted. That was their ambition. So now if you're a church that's saying, we want to have people online, we want to invest in that space. You probably don't want to learn from this church <laughs> because they're, they're almost doing the opposite. So there's a lot that goes into what people are putting out there online. And I think it's really hard for us uh, without understanding a little bit more of that context to learn effectively. And so the the reason I'm kind of generally cautious about it is because um, I I find that it's real easy for us to get on the wrong treadmill, and so we start we start implementing some of these practices, and what what ends up happening is they actually blossom new opportunities, and then from there there's another set of opportunities, and then what we we actually find ourselves pretty far down the road building a ministry that doesn't align with our ministry. And so I've actually had a, you know, some conversations with churches where they find themselves in that spot. They're frustrated with online ministry because it doesn't actually move forward the mission of their church. Well, typically that's not because of a, of a rogue person in the organization that's like rebelling and, and trying to lead them a wrong direction. It's actually because some of the things that they've cherry picked from other organizations have led them in a direction that doesn't really align with their destination. And so those are the things for me where I think, uh, you know, I think you can look at other churches and you can get some inspiration from what they're doing, but it really does come back to what is, what is your church's purpose? Like, what is the, what is the ambition of your church in terms of who are you trying to reach? Who has God specifically um, put in your care, you know, in your, within your existing congregation, but then also God has given your church a, a, a grouping of spiritual gifts and there are people that are gifted in your congregation. How, how is that? Like, what does that look like? Maybe you have, you know, I think to myself, what if you have a bunch of like really good chefs in your congregation? I mean, that should probably, you should probably figure out a way to leverage that. <laughs> like, how do we, is there hospitality that we can really be the church that's known as the church that's hospitable to others, you know? So, so I, there's, it's a little bit more complex to me than just like, dang, that was a really good sermon or oh, their worship set was like incredible. It's a little bit more of how are you trying to move forward as an organization? How has God really positioned you to minister? And, and then how do you build from that? So yeah, I hope that makes sense in terms of that that kind of caution, I guess. Absolutely. I think that makes perfect sense of like, uh, let's align uh, ideologically, let's align with our values. And then it makes sense to maybe look at the tactical or some of the additional things to to move forward. That is so, so good to keep the first things the first thing. Yeah, because ultimately everything that you see needs to be filtered through that that grid of your values. And, and I would say, you know, I'm, I'm now kind of leaning in a little bit to the, to the online ministry class and try to think through the things that we're, we're covering. But a lot of it is born out of your theology, your values, your philosophy of ministry. Like those things really do need to affirm the decisions that you're making as you're building. And so sure, look at a church that's doing, you know, a really killer job, but then say, does this match what we want? You know, what we value theologically? Does it pull people to the wrong end? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's a good way to summarize it. 
And I'm a pastor, you know, I've maybe been put into the online church space or I'm a ministry leader who's been tasked to, to bring this to the top. Um, I know you've been creating our educational pieces for Kingdom One. Can you talk us through webinar and course and where we can get some of these things in order to, uh, you know, learn more? Yeah, so Kingdom One dot academy is where it's all so it's all going to be and where it all lives <laughs> um and and this is just the beginning this is our first uh, our first class which i'm excited about um part of that as well as there's a webinar that's accessible that's free it's five of the common challenges that we find in the online ministry space and then what you can do about them um, some of them are geared toward um just tensions of I want to bring the conversation of online ministry to the table, but my church is like generally anti, you know, innovation or really maybe even just anti this specific innovation. And so we kind of talk through some of that. And then the other side of it is what happens if you have online ministry? You know, this is a common, a common story. We have it in our church, but now all of a sudden it seems like everybody's kind of lost interest. So what do we do about it? So that's really what the webinar is kind of talking through, just some of those common challenges. And then the class is is really solely focused on you developing an online ministry roadmap for your church. Um, the, the, the tension, it, it dovetails a little bit from this last kind of piece of the conversation. The problem that we keep seeing is that churches have built a ministry that's not compatible with their ministry. And so online ministry really is, is starting to shift into the villain role in a lot of churches. It's starting to be perceived as the thing that's preventing people from doing what we want in terms of gathering in person or, you know, whatever it looks like. And Really, that's just a bad build. That's not a bad ministry model or a bad, you know, tool. And so, uh, you know, I always think of this with power tools. Like I'm a table saw guy, and so I love like precision stuff, like build a box, build cabinets, those kinds of things. Like I know that there are people who can do it with a skill saw, but I am just not that guy. Give me a table saw over a skill saw. It doesn't mean skill saws are bad. It just means that it's not the right tool for the job that I'm trying to accomplish. And so that's that's a lot of what goes into this. And so building your online ministry roadmap really is that. It's we're gonna we we start with theology and we start with what is it that you actually believe. There's a a list of kind of bombshell theological issues that I continue to see be the the stopping point for a lot of these ministries and really like the division point within a staff or within a congregation. It's like half agree with this, half agree with the other. And it's like, uh, you, you got you to gotta get through that. And then from there, we really go through the phases of what it looks like to build and make decisions on those you know, different facets of online ministry. And the reason I think it's important to have those decisions actually made is that now you can all go back to the book and you can say, hey, this is what we've landed on and this is what we're pursuing. And so that just makes it so much easier to build, particularly something as as invasive as online ministry. It tends to touch all of your different existing ministries in some way, shape, or form, um, but also something as potentially divisive because people begin to discover that they have a theological angst about certain issues. And so if you don't have that all clearly laid out, it's going to make every conversation a big conversation rather than a, rem a reminder of this is where we've landed. And so a big part of what we've seen in the church, and this is just kind of kingdom wide holistically, uh, kingdom one wide, um, pa pastors haven't gone to business school, like, and that's okay. Uh, but but we find that oftentimes the hurdle between where church is and where they want to go, where they believe and feel like God has called them to go, um, is really it's really about education. And that's where we want to fill the gap with these, these classes is we want to help educate the church in some of these areas that we believe to be really pivotal areas to kind of get to that next step, you know, and, and break through the wall that they're currently experiencing. 
That's awesome. And I think, you know, just having this as a, as an educational piece and even that free webinar, you can go check that out at kingdom1.co slash webinar to get those, those five things that you need to be thinking through and then getting the course at kingdom, uh, kingdom1.academy, I think is so fantastic. I don't know the difference between uh, the saws that you talked about. And so when you talked about those tools, uh, but also I feel like maybe that's the way some people like look at me when I'm talking about different like graphics cards or Bitcoin mining or all the things, some things just go over our heads. And what I love about what you've created is you make it so simple that we can understand that it's our values that are driving our decisions, not just because we made a decision and then we stick to it, but because there is substance behind it. And I think that's where employees and staff members really start to get behind vision and start to execute very well. Yeah. One of the, one of the first points that I make in the class is it's defining online ministry. Online ministry is regular ministry that happens on or through the internet. That's it. And so exactly what you're talking about, there's so much sort of complexity and, and um, just confusion around this space of online ministry. Oh, what about bandwidth? What about, you know, all these different things that I don't know what they mean. And I, yes, let's just, let's just walk through it. <laughs> let's navigate it. Let's define it and then move on. But, but at the end of the day, it really isn't something mystical and different. It's, it's just an expression of your church's ministry, the, the, the mission that you believe in, the things that you care about, the things that you believe God has called you to do, it's those, it's those things just played out in a, in a little bit of a different context, so. Kingdom One family, that was such a great episode uh, with Matt Curtis. I love his dedication to values and how he is so strategic to think about values first. If you have any questions for us, we want to uh, answer those for you. Matt has gone ahead and made a webinar that is free. It is the five hurdles or the five obstacles that you need to overcome in your online ministry. You can check that out by going to kingdomone.co slash webinar. And if you have questions for us, you are more than welcome to hit us up on any of the social medias at Kingdom One uh, Co. on any of the social medias. On LinkedIn, we had uh, our friend Aaron from My 12 People. He uh, let us know what he thinks about a healthy online church. And he said, one of the indications of a healthy online church is community is safe, people feel cared for, and they are free to participate in a way that serves them. People are safe, served and free. They will feel loved and identify as part of the community. And I have to say, Aaron, I agree with you 100%. Thank you for sharing that with us. We so appreciate when you guys share and interact with this type of content. And speaking of interacting, uh, before we go, would you give us a rate uh, or a thumbs up wherever you're watching or listening to this at? It helps us and it helps other ministry leaders find this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. And until we chat again, let's grow the church together. Peace.